Welcome to 321 Profits, the podcast that brings you expert advice and behind the scenes information to help launch your business success. This program is a media production of GLD Enterprises Communications Limited. Now, here's your host, Jerry Deer. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 Profits, the podcast. This is your host, Jerry Deer, and we are here today in Troy, Ohio, and we're talking with David Murray of David C. Murray and Company Incorporated CPAs. And Dave, welcome to our podcast. Great to be here. Thank you for spending time with us today. We've got a lot to cover. I'm looking at a whiteboard that you guys can't see out there, but it's covered with an awful lot of information. I hope we have time to do all that. But he says it takes 30 seconds to do that part. So we'll see. We'll get a picture of Well, you told me I had nine hours. (laughs) Uh, So uh, just to let our folks know out there. So this is, uh, we're in our first season of uh, 321 Profits and uh, Dave may not be aware of this, so he can learn a little bit what we're going on here. And our goal is to teach you some things about business and how you can make your business better. And today we're talking a little bit about uh, some of the things that Dave's got going on in his business. And also uh, we're going to cover a few things about some um, some pitfalls that you might run into with your business taxes, things like that. And we're just going to run from one thing to the next. And we've got about an hour to cover some things. So we're going to jump right in. So uh, Dave, first of all, tell us a little bit about you and how your business got started. Well, Jerry, I started my career as an accountant working for a major oil company. I went to Texas with them and uh, spent five good years with them. Two good things came out of that, a great retirement plan I got started, and I also met my wife down there. But working for a big company, th- those of us that have done that understand that the dollars are bigger and the rewards are smaller. <laughs> and I really wanted to come back to this area and help people, help uh, business people, family-owned businesses, make better business decisions, save on taxes, stop wasting money over paying taxes, and things of that nature. So I came back here. I spent 10 years with a CPA firm in this area. And in 2004, I started the firm that uh, we're in now. So you're originally from this area then? Yes, sir. Born and raised in Miami County. Oh, okay. So uh, for those of you who are listening out of the area, if you know where Dayton, Ohio is, we're about a half an hour north of Dayton. And uh, it's straight up 75. Everything's right off 75, isn't it? Yes, sir. That's kind of how it works. (laughs) Uh, So in your your dealings with... with, uh, small businesses and I assume you have you have clients of all different sizes right you have individuals and you have businesses and all that what does that client list look like what types of people do you help well we help we're in a small market area although we do you mentioned Dayton we do an awful lot of work in Dayton as well but if someone walks in the door we pretty well try to help them I've said for years I tell my team we never know who the client's going to know or how much the client's going to grow and we've had businesses start out the first year, maybe 10000 15000 in revenue that are multi-million dollar companies today. So anything wow. in between that, we work with an awful lot of business services providers. That's sort of the world today. There's more service than manufacturing, although our firm also has quite a bit of expertise in manufacturing as well. Uh, and that's a particular area that accountants really need to study because more so than any other area, costs really matter. When you're trying to manufacture a product, somebody's got to buy it and resell it at a profit. 
So you have to watch what you're spending money on in order to make a profit as well. So your your manufacturing costs don't outweigh what your margin's going to be at the other side. Absolutely. So in doing that, when people are looking for, we're talking to a lot of folks out there listening to this who either are startups, we get a lot of startups for whatever reason, or they've been in a long time. If they're trying to choose an accountant, what kind of things should they look for? Should it be somebody that specializes in their particular industry or does that matter? How does that work? That's always helpful, Jerry, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because there are a number of accounting firms that just specialize in a few core areas, and so you want to make sure if they are specialists that they specialize in what you do, and also if they're not specialists, they can draw upon a team of specialists, whether that's in their firm or by using outside consultants and other firms like that. Do you find that businesses often jump in with the first one they run into sometimes and end up in a little trouble on occasion and they haven't done their research? That's a great question. I always <laughs> tell I always tell our team we want to be a business owner's second accountant. There you go. Make your mistakes first and then that, come that's see That's right. You, that's and you right. can fix them all for them. And uh, a lot of it is not that they do something intentionally incorrectly. They, they just don't know. They just don't know. They just don't know. And that's a lot of the trouble that we run into and, and, and kind of the point of the podcast. We interview a lot of people who are trying to help people not make those mistakes as they go in because it's a lot easier to prevent them than it is to fix them. So if you can do that, I assume you want to try to get in. You want to be the second accountant, but if you can be the first one, that's even better because you can fix it and not let it get to that point, right? That's right. We'd much rather have people start off in the right foot and then we continue them helping them run from there. So we're going to talk just for a couple of minutes. We've had, uh, and I'm sure your clients have run into the same ones that ours have. And, and I should point out, uh, we, we say this a couple of times during the, the session that our program here is run by GLD Enterprises Communications. So we, we deal in the public relations and marketing areas. And I know our clients have run into this too. So a lot of them applied for the PPP loans this year and the grants and so on. And how does that affect some of the businesses when they, they go into tax season? Is that going to be an issue for a lot of these small companies? Not if they have the right accountant, I guess. There you Jerry, can see, there's the answer I wanted. That's, right. that's a great answer. PPP loans, it's been an interesting conflict really between the tax laws and sort of common sense or what we consider in the accounting industry generally accepted principles. Okay. As an example, the PPP loans are tax-free money. However, it went in your bank account. It really is income. There's it's always a however on that. It's, it's just non-taxable income. Okay. And so a bank may want to see that income because if you don't reflect it on your financial statement, the bank doesn't know that you actually made money uh, as a result of that. And they're not really in the habit of lending too much money to losing enterprises. So that gets confusing probably to the business owner who's being told, you don't have to worry about this for taxes. So somewhere they're leaving it off of a, of a balance sheet or something instead of recording everything just to have it on record. That's correct. Okay. So if they, if they did do a PPE loan, or I'm sorry, a PPP loan, there's a lot of PPPs this year. I just can't keep them all straight. Uh, so if they do the PPP loan, one of the things that I that I have run into is that they're confused about whether those loans are loans or grants or forgiven loans or what is the difference between all of that? Well, a grant, typically that means from the outset, Jerry, you know that it's not going to be uh, have a tax it's, it's impact. given to you to be used for whatever that purpose was. That's correct. Although some of those may be, including some of the more local, like county loans and things like that, not that they're not going to be uh, legislation regarding that as far as the taxability. But right now, 
if you got a county grant, it's still taxable as far as the Internal Revenue Service is concerned. A loan, until such time as it is forgiven, is reflected on the balance sheet as another, just any other loan you may have from a, a longtime vendor or a bank or lending institution until such time as your uh, forgiveness has been approved. And that will come from whoever issued the loan in the first place. That's right. You work with, typically, you have to apply for forgiveness with the same bank where you got the money. I mean, it was originally government money funded by us as taxpayers, but it was administered by the banks. And so the bank that you worked with to get the loan is who you have to work with to get it forgiven. How often do you see, I mean, the pandemic's been rough on a lot of businesses, obviously. And how how often have you seen not just with the loans or, or anything like that, are people struggling to keep their, their tax information and everything worked out from 2020 because it was so chaotic? Has that been a problem as well? Yes, it is, and particularly since a lot of people had to shut down their places of work. Even most restaurants, even though they're typically tight on space, they do usually have some small office in there where there's a lot of paperwork. Once they moved home because uh, they were shut down or whatever, they have a lot of those records spread out between one or more locations now, and it has been a little bit difficult to come up with records. Or if for some reason you had to contact a supplier that would typically give you information about what you may have spent with them, or even a regular customer that's a, an accounts receivable type of customer where you bill them, they may have been required to send you a 1099 to reflect your the income they paid, and they may not have the right record. So it's been... We've been able to get the correct information usually, eventually. It just sometimes takes some work, and that always takes more time. We've heard a lot this year because of COVID. We've heard a lot about the what is being referred to as the gig economy grew a lot during this period. Is that something that creates a tax nightmare for people involved in that? Do they uh, Maybe they're not used to it, and they just got into it this year. Is that... Is that all part of that same scheme as they need to come in and talk to you and or whoever their accountant is and try to figure out what those pitfalls are? The sooner the better on that stuff, Jerry, because it can be complicated for someone that's never done that before or just maybe done it in, 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 small, in small doses, like maybe bought a few things off of eBay and resold them uh, to getting much more into that business and so forth. And the earlier, the better, because we always have ways to work with people. Even if they have a, a notepad in their car, we can give them a worksheet that helps them summarize the information they need that's going to help them at tax time. So it's like someone started out with this as somewhat of a hobby, but then when they had issues because of their day job or something, they were able to spin that up a little more and maybe go into it full time of doing whatever that job is. Maybe they're, like you said, reselling some things or maybe they got into some other form of work. And that makes a big difference on, on their tax implications for sure. So how many... How many times would you say in a month and a month, I'm kind of leading into our next segment here, we're going to be talking about more of those pitfalls here. And then we've got, just to give our listeners a little idea, we're going to be talking about a workshop you have coming up um, here in the other half of the hour. But uh, how many people would you say, or how I should say it this way, how often would you say someone comes in and they're already in trouble? Like they, they've got it, it's a mess, they're, they're a business person, they, they don't know how to handle this, maybe they didn't pay the last couple of years, they don't understand how it works, their accountant wasn't any good. Is that a common thing where people really get behind the eight ball when they first get started? It's very common, and one indicator 
of whether they're, we are going to see problems from them or not sometimes is who else is on the team. Um, everything that a business does ultimately ends up affecting a tax return. And so very frequently we end up as quarterbacks of a team. And if we got referred by an attorney or by somebody that's helping them market their business for the first time and so forth, and they refer that uh, client to us, Early in the process, we already know they have smart people on their team because they're being proactive about seeking out uh, assistance. If they don't, very frequently there's a surprise at tax time. And then that comes in more money paid out, right? Absolutely. And, and most <laughs> most of the time, Jerry, it's because they miss deductions. They don't understand what you can write off in your business endeavors. So they just think well, it's a Well, there was a lot of, of talk a couple of years ago, too, where a lot of deductions got taken away. Is that what happened? Or, or how did that work? Some people are confused by that, aren't they? Sure. A lot of those deductions were for what are known as unreimbursed employee business expenses. Oh, I see. Okay, so not like an independent owner who's looking after all of their expenses. That's still part of your deductions. Absolutely. The one exception to that is probably meals and entertainment. They curtailed okay. some of the ability to deduct that. That, that doesn't mean that you still don't incur uh, those types of business expenses in your business. You probably have to be more specific about them when you report them, right? It, it's there's there's rules where some, some of them are uh, not deductible at all. Some are fully deductible. Some are 50% deductible. So like well, many there, other things. Well, all those McDonald's receipts I've been turning that's in. Right. That's <laughs> right. You have to know the rules in order yeah. to take the, the best advantage of things. And for the rules, you need to go to a professional. That's right. Don't try to do that on your own. Unless you happen to be a tax guy, in which case you should know what you're talking about. Uh, so we're gonna we're we're coming down to our first break of the hour. So we're gonna move on to that, and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about some of the more pitfally things that people run into when they're doing their business taxes, um, and then some of the solutions that go with those. So we're gonna take a break here, and we will be back in just a minute. My name is Adam Arnold. I'm an attorney at Arnold & Arnold. We're a general practice law firm located in downtown Dayton, Ohio. If you need assistance with anything related to family law issues, business law, probate or estate planning, give our office a call and we can hopefully help you with your legal needs or we can point you in the right direction. You can find us online at www.arnold-attorneys.com or you can give us a call at 937 716 2033. We're back with Dave Murray from uh, Dave C. Murray and Company Incorporated uh, CPAs and Advisors in Troy, Ohio. And I should point out before we go too far with this that you're going to hear a lot of background noise because we are at Dave's office, which is this amazing old renovated house, right? G yes, sir. Give me a second on this. How old is this place? Built in 1875. Okay. And you're not the only tenant, though. You have other people in the building. Is that right? Well, when I first got the building, which was in the fall of 2003, uh, there was only two people here. My, I mean, there was only two people in our firm, myself and my secretary at the time. <laughs> and so, yes, we rented out the rest of the building uh, as apartments and offices. And then gradually, now we are the only tenant. Wow. Okay. So... Uh, we will uh, we'll be posting, if you haven't seen them already, we're going to be posting some pictures so people can have a look at this because this is a really neat space. Um, very high ceilings. We're not used to this kind of recording space, so it probably sounds funny. But so I just wanted to let everybody know why you're hearing motorcycles in the background. We're right up against the street. 
okay, so this part of our of our discussion is going to be focused around some of those pitfalls that people run into when they're they they don't necessarily have to be new business people. They can have been in it for a long time and still make these mistakes. So um, I asked Dave to give me three really common issues that folks run into, and we're going to start with the the first one, which I've kind of um, called education, um, and that's where uh, mainly where people are making decisions without having the proper understanding of the tax and financial responsibilities involved with those, right? That's correct. So tell me a little bit about that in, in your correct language here. Well, I just had an example earlier, uh, last month actually, uh, someone had bought a truck two years ago for their business, they're a contractor. If anybody's been following the the automobile industry, they know that there's a shortage of trucks right now, and especially the computers that go into new Ford F-150s and Chevy Silverados and Dodge Rams, things like that, and got a great deal to resell his used truck. The problem with that is, two years ago, in order to cut some tax, we used an accelerated depreciation methodology and wrote off almost the whole truck the year he bought it. So when he sold this truck for such a great deal, he did not realize that it was going to be almost fully taxed as recaptured depreciation expense on there. So, Ouch. so that causes both a tax issue and, of course, you're out the money. So that causes a severe financial issue. If yeah, and we're talking about a business vehicle, right? Not somebody's personal That's right. car. So what does that do to them going forward then? Do they have to, is it just the burden of that or what else happens from that point? Well, in his case, he had spent the money throughout the pandemic, keeping his business going. and Which was the point of selling the truck. Exactly. Feeding (laughs) his family and so forth. Decisions made like that are not tax-free, unlike getting a PPP loan and things like that. So the ramification is at some point in time, he's going to have to come up with the money. Now, the government is a, a lot more friendlier than people realize as far as payment of taxes go. They don't really want to put a business out of business. Yeah, that doesn't help them in the long run. That's right. So they'll do an installment loan, which makes them sort of like the bank. The only problem, there's two problems with that. Generally, they charge more interest than a bank, and they're a lot harder collector than the <laughs> bank would be. So uh, that's not a, that's not a position you want to get in, but if you have to, they will work with you. So be very careful when you're going to make these kinds of decisions. Talk to someone first who's in the know. It can give you all the potential disaster that can come from it. Because you might get some good news out of that, right? You could find another way to help them if they if that was the only thing they could think of. Maybe you have other options. That's right. I had a, a couple going on vacation about six weeks ago, and they were leaving for the weekend. So they didn't want to know. They didn't want any bad news before they went on vacation. <laughs> but they sold one of their rentals. And when they came back, they said, well, when we come back, we want to write a check for the whole thing we don't want to wait until next year and pay pay the money with the tax we just we got the money when we sold it and we we just want to pay the tax and when they came back i was able to tell them hey you need to write a check for your state and local tax that's about four hundred dollars and they were wow that's great they were expecting thousands upon thousands in pain and it just didn't work out that way for them i think i think i need a new tax person all right so the next thing we were talking about was what i'm going to call timeliness and so this second downfall is has to do with uh, having a, a failure to time in a timely manner deal with issues when they come up or as they're or hopefully before they come up right um tell us a little about that well we always have people bringing in the proverbial shoebox full of receipts 
And we always offer people that we'd be happy to summarize everything for them at our billing rate. And here's how much it costs to do that. That's right. Or we give them a summary worksheet to take with them and summarize the receipts and the proper expense categories that need to go on the tax return. The issue with that is they may have receipts. They have no idea what they spent the money on. And especially contractors fall into this. If they've got jobs in process at the end of their of their tax year, they can't deduct the costs until the, the job is job finished. Is done, right. And a lot of times they can't tell what receipt goes with what project that they were working on and things like that. So the closer you are, uh, we call it contemporaneous record keeping. Contemporaneous means as it happens. Right. And instead of uh, driving up somewhere with your pickup truck full of receipts in the on, on the dashboard... <laughs> Uh, you need to keep track of those as you go. That was uh, that was how my dad and my brother always did it. We had we had farm trucks and they delivered ag products and everything. And in the dash was stuck all the fuel bills. And I bought a case of oil and here's a starter for this. And you know and and then at the end of the year, my mom is sitting there with a table like we've got this big conference table in front of us here. It was covered in all that, and she's got the the electric adding machine and she's putting it all together. Somehow they figured it out, but. I can imagine that would have been a lot easier if they just did it like weekly, wrote the stuff out and stuck it somewhere. So they had it, right? Something and you're like, also never certain what happened to blow out the window when cold winter Well, day. that happened too because there was a lot of cold in those trucks. So there was some that disappeared on occasion. We just, what was that? I don't remember. <laughs> and they did everything in cash. So we didn't have like a bank record of anything. So it was, it was a cash payment of gasoline or whatever it was. And most of it was fuel or operating expenses. So keeping track of that stuff as you go, is there a good way to do that? I mean, I see all these apps and everything for your phone, like take a picture of your receipt and it'll categorize for you. But what is a, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing part of this is up to the person, what works best for them. But are there some suggestions you can make that somebody can start doing now that might help them in that situation? I would start out with just a summary worksheet, and all you have to do if you're a, if you're a sole proprietor, business owner, look at go to irs.gov and look at their Schedule C, and those are the expenses they want reported on there. And there's always the second page, which is the other miscellaneous. But start with those categories, and if nothing else, keep an envelope for the month. Put your receipts in there, and every time you put one in there, write down what category it goes to. And those are documents available free from the website, right? Free you can pull the them right website. off and and look at them and and do what you need to with them. And there's all kinds of computer software out there and apps for your phone. And apps are great, but I always tell people, you know, computers are fine until I they're not. Much, <laughs> I would much rather have somebody understand how to keep the records timely and correctly by hand. Right. Keep it by hand because then put if it you in the computer at summary time, then you've got that's you've got right. the originals all. Because if you don't understand what you're doing, a computer helps you make mistakes a lot more quickly. Faster mistakes and more dam- damaging ones. <laughs> uh, okay, great. So be timely about your record keeping. Look after everything at the time. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next thing. The third thing that we talked about was not having a focused routine for things. So what do you mean by that? Well, if you study any business coaches literature out there, a lot of them mention focus. And that's focusing on one thing that you need to get done until it's done. But really, the way to run a business is to have a routine of focus. And that means we, we've implemented that here years ago. Uh, we do what we call follow-up Friday. That is, we look and see everything that we were working on during the week. Did we fail to communicate with the client? Are we stuck somewhere and need information from the client? What's holding, up, what's holding us back from getting that done? 
We also have Money Monday, and that's where we figure out, like this time of year, we close at noon on Fridays. We don't go to the post office. And so Monday, when we go, we have mail from Friday, Saturday, and Monday, and hopefully there's some money in there from our clients and we figure out how much that is, what's coming in, and what needs to go out for the week as far as bills we need to pay, our payroll, and so forth. So we focus on certain things at certain times on certain days of every week. So you've planned it in a, a, not only the, the focusing on the different things, but you have a sort of procedure and a routine that's in there to go along with that. But also you've prioritized Absolutely. I think that's a big piece of that, right? Is just making sure we know we need to do these things. So here's a great time to do it because we have the first of the week. The Mondays are typically slow in our office. We don't have a lot of phone calls immediately right away. It's a great time to be looking at the books and see where we are. Again, is that something that that requires somebody to have some special software or knowledge to do, or they can just figure out what works for them and their type of business and kind of kind of step back and, and do it that way. I think, especially if you have a team, and even if it's just someone else to answer the phone, you need to let them know when you can and cannot be disturbed with phone calls because you're trying to get something done. Blocking time for the week, I encourage nearly every person in business. So the level of organization is really important there. Absolutely. Too. So prioritization and organization, start that out, and then it's building that routine and, and staying with it. That's right. How long do you think it takes for somebody in a business, whether they've been doing it the whole time or they've been doing the business a long time or they're brand new, how long does it take somebody to really get into a routine like that, especially where their finances are concerned? Is that something that's a difficult thing for people? It can it's be. kind of a lifestyle change, it, right? I mean, ab- absolutely, Jerry. And one of the great examples I have from, I'm, I met, uh, when I started my career, I went to a city where I didn't know a soul. Even the person that interviewed me at college, she traveled all the time in her HR position. I, I didn't, I literally knew no one there and i met someone the first day who who said when it's monday night football that's when i pay my bills and i thought what a great you know you sit in front of the tv and you're just doing it while you're that's right and most people you know watching monday night football have to work the next day so it's not like you're going to go to be doing some big party and stuff you can sit there watch the ball game enjoy yourself pay your bills and that becomes a routine at the time, you know, I just had a little apartment, no washer and dryer, so I had to go to the laundromat. You're stuck in the laundromat. Uh, you know, I was so. young and single, so I could go about once every three weeks, I suppose. But <laughs> we don't recommend that. No, folks. we don't That's recommend <laughs> that. But I would always do at least two loads uh, a week at a laundromat the same day every time. And I mean, the same, the, the same day. Every time I went to the laundromat was the same day, uh, unless I was on vacation or, you know, sick or something like that. But you got to get in a routine and it's a gradual process. If you tried to tomorrow to set your whole next month up according to some routine, you're going to fail. So yeah. it's like anything else. You do some till you get it, you, then you do some more. This all reminds me of somebody doing a diet plan or an exercise program or something where they, they do it all whole hog right at once and think the whole world's going to change instead of making these gradual changes a little at a time. It's like, what's the old adage of eating an elephant? Uh, one bite at a time. You got to start slow and then build it in. And then, it, so we're trying to do the same thing. We are in something like that where you're building a habit in, right? It, That's right. Then it becomes second nature. You're not having to fight yourself. And well, I had bad habits over here about keeping track of my receipts or doing whatever those things are. And now we're trying to change that. And that takes a while. Takes you a change work. one success at a time. One success at a time. Oh, I like that. I tend to change because of failure. <laughs> Well, I broke that. It's time to start over and try again. 
So we're about to, we're coming up on our second break here at the bottom of the hour. So we're going to uh, take another break and you've got some information to listen to out there. If you're, uh, if you're still with us, we appreciate you listening in. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about a new workshop you have coming up, right? Sounds great. All right. We'll be back soon. I'm Dave Murray, CPA, located in Troy, Ohio. Our firm helps people stop wasting money over paying taxes. Our firm helps business owners make better decisions. Our firm helps nonprofit organizations do a better job attaining their missions. Call us today at 937-335-3652 and learn what it means to have world-class client service. Okay, we're back with Dave Murray, and uh, we're talking a little bit about um, accounting and financial and how to keep your business straight all those ways. And before we move into it, we're going to be talking about uh, Dave's um, coaching program that he's got started up here. And uh, But first, we, we want to ask Dave some interesting questions. And now for the fun topics. One of the questions we ask all the guests on the show is, is kind of just a it's sort of a get to know you thing. What's on your nightstand? Watches. Watches? Yes. Really? Okay, you can't just leave that hanging. What well, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I have a friend that collects watches, and of course he spends thousands, and I, I, I've only bought the third watch in my life that I've ever owned, and I spent about $140, but right now I usually, you know, you can only wear one watch at a time, and actually I use a watch more today for it, getting the date on there because when I sign paperwork, it's usually Isn't it funny that, because you got date. all these electronic gadgets and everything, but I still, I'm the same thing. I've got just an old-fashioned watch that's got the date on it, and I right. look down and know what that is. And then the one that I just bought, for some reason, it has a manual, not a manual, but it's not a digital date indicator on it. Okay. And for some reason, I just bought it maybe four weeks ago and it changes the date every day at noon i have not figured that oh, out. oh it's yet, got so. the wrong oh, i yeah, see so every night you stop it until it catches well, up <laughs> yeah that's a pod that's, that's, that's probably my last resort you know <laughs> you pull the pull the winder out so if it's mechanical you pull the winder out watches okay well that's a new one all right so the next thing we have is what's on your pizza I'm a guy that likes everything, even anchovies. So oh, when people that's order, a first. want that EBA, I'll eat that too. <laughs> I'll, I'll do everything but anchovies. And I just we had pizza here the other day. We brought it in that day last week. It was pouring down rain, and somebody wanted just plain cheese, which I call the Macaulay pizza. That's a Macaulay a, pizza. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, and I ate that too. So. A lovely cheese pizza just for me. Isn't that how he says it? That's Something right. Like that. For those of you, that's a Home Alone reference. So that begs the next question, which is part of this one is I'm going to guess that you're probably team pineapple then, right? Pineapple on the pizza? I used everything. to like that when I was younger, and then you I just kinda outgrew got it, right? it, yes. Okay, so he's a no on team pineapple. I'm looking at our producer, Julie, and and I'm a no for team pineapple. I'm not. So we've got about a 60-40 on the pineapple with okay. this. Nose to, to the other. That's an interesting indicator of something. It is. I don't know exactly what. It's right. weird people, if you ask me, but... Uh, and then the last one is, and this this takes sometimes more explanation from people. What was your favorite cartoon on TV growing up? Tom and Jerry. Really? Sure. That's the second time we've heard that. Tom and Jerry. My brother and I. My brother's four years younger than than me, and uh, I'm going to date myself here, but we were. I was a teenager when cable TV came out. And okay. The Superstation was really the first cable TV thing we yes. had. And Sunday before church, we had two younger sisters. 
between them and my mother, they all hogged the bathroom, so we both got up early to shower and get ready for church. You watch cartoons, and then we'd watch. Actually, the Three Stooges was on first on Sunday mornings, and then the Tom and Jerry show. So So you like cartoons with no people in them. And no words. I, that's true because I also like <laughs> the Roadrunner. The Roadrunner. That's what I was going to mention because the other the other side of that is Roadrunner that right. has only in all the Roadrunner episodes they made there was only one speaking time and that's when Wiley e. Coyote breaks the fourth wall and tells you why he's doing all of this and that was like a huge thing for Warner Brothers that that cartoon took a lot of money to sell so all right so we've got Tom and Jerry and we've got no Team Pineapple which I I like. And uh, one of our other guests, uh, Daryl Bender, who you know, sure. who's, who's part of our BNI organization, uh, he was Roadrunner and, and uh, Coyote too. That was his thing as well. So I those, can see him like that. I really could too. And uh, so I got to make sure he listens to this one so we get that. All right. Well, those are fine. That's a great little thing to, to get going with that. So what we're going to move to now is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your upcoming um, coaching program that you have going on. You call it Cash Up. And, and that means that we have to give you cash. Sure. <laughs> we can start with that right now if you want, Jerry. So give me a little background on this. What what caused it? And and if you want to go over some of the things that are involved in it, we're just going to chat about it a little bit. So there's sure. not really a structure to this. You have the floor. Well, I called it cash up because I like titles that are somewhat ambiguous. And so does that mean your cash is up, meaning you have no more? You have or you're no going to have to pay some out. Or you need more. <laughs> You know, you need to bring it up. So right. a little a little ambiguity in the title there. Okay. And it sort of came about because you, we talked earlier about the PPP loans, and those were great, and it was a great idea to have those. You know, one one of the good ideas the government's actually had. And the the disadvantage to it, what it really, it helped people get through that their business might not otherwise survive, but it also diverted their focus from the need to have income coming in. And I, I feel like that's one of the things that's going on now is people need to get back in the right mindset so that they can grow and develop their business. So the first thing we're going to talk about in the, in the first session of the small group coaching program is moving from a crisis mindset to a control mindset. So we've been in a crisis mindset, right? Sure. And the first thing we lost both in our personal lives and our business lives was control. I mean, we went from trying to sell a product that somebody wanted to pay a fair price for to all of a sudden, hey, we're shut down. We can't sell. We can't even make the product. That's right. Hey, we got to try to find masks. And all all the stuff everybody went through, the the cleaning wipes, you know, the sanitizing, hand sanitizer and all that stuff in the beginning just to try to. Just try, try to make sure you didn't catch whatever was going around that we didn't even understand the, whether it was very serious, somewhat serious, and so forth. And so we immediately lost control. And you're talking our, very early in the pandemic. Very when early. We, we really didn't know what was happening yet. It was just, oh, no, we got a problem. And then everybody's reacting to it. That's right. So business reacted by imploding. That's right. And unfortunately, that's the plight of businesses that have many of the same problems we talked about earlier in this program, that when we were shutting down for two weeks, I can tell you there were some business owners that didn't have two weeks worth of cash in the bank. Right. And so if the PPP stuff hadn't come along quickly, we'd be in a whole new business world right now. But we we suffered from not having control at all. So we got to move our focus 
from control uh, from lack of control to control and we also got to move it from internal to external our focus because very much internally focused i need to take care of my own health i need to take care of the health of my family i need to worry about my extended family my extended friends because you have an immediate knee-jerk reaction of that of oh my gosh survival first then worry about this other thing over here exactly but the other thing is long term Absolutely. That's your business and your income and your job or whatever that happens to be that's bringing in money for you to live on. And then that changes. Would you say that people, uh, we're talking about the pandemic right now, but this is not an uncommon problem the rest of the time either, right? Where people are always running a little cash short in a business. Is that normal? That's very cases? normal, especially in startup businesses, small businesses, businesses that are in a growth phase. And very frequently, you know, you talk in business school about the, the life cycle of a business and people get complacent if they if they have a cash cow. They may be in a great cash position, but at some point in time, their business changed. I mean, at one at one point in time, there were a whole whole lot of people making harnesses for horses and buggies that were doing extremely well in the world. And then somebody like named Henry Ford and that blew that out of the water. That's right. <laughs> so if you... If you're going into this mindset, so we're talking about, uh, if you just joined us, we're talking about uh, Dave's um, coaching program. And so we're going into this crisis to control. What do you mean by control? Well, when you're out of, when you don't have control, there's some hopelessness there. There's a whole lot of confusion that's causing one of the things that prevents you from taking control. The feeling that no one's coming to help you. There's some depression, some frustration, a lot of vulnerability in that whole statement that allows you not to get back into control when you should. Okay. Um, so move on to the next step. What happens then? How, how do you go from there? Well, you overcome that by taking control and ha- making good decisions. Man, making good decisions, even small ones, help with your long-term success, encourage you along that way because it is a success. And you have to become, go from just being a transactional leader, meaning, hey, I got to make a sale today, to a transformational leader, where I've got to transform the whole way we do business to be better for our customers and increase our revenue. So even businesses that survived through the pandemic are looking at themselves in the mirror and seeing a very different creature. Absolutely. In a lot of cases. So moving forward on this, so you're going from a, from hitting a, you talk about the the uh, the plateau to progress part of this thing. Is that about the revenue? Yes, that's about making money come in the front door, top line revenue stream there. And I always tell people, uh, I, I work with a lot of churches, and churches they've suffered too through this, but they were suffering before historically. Churches have been losing members for 20 years. Younger people aren't going to church anymore, so their congregations are are shrinking, right? That's right, and I tell church leaders all the time, hey, I can't tell you how how to get one more family in here. You know, they'll say, hey, we need 30 more families. I say, I can't tell you how to get one more family in here, but I can tell you 30 ways where you might get one more family in here. I can't come up with one way to get 30 in. And, And I should point out, that is not just Christian churches. Jewish synagogues, everybody is suffering from this problem. That's right. That's and, right. And especially uh, donations are down. Right. So it's not just membership and tithe. It's it's donations and money coming in and, and all that sort of stuff that keeps the programs going that the churches are doing to help other people. Those drop off. So this, 
I hate to use the 80s term, but the trickle-down economics of this really is very visible. Sure, absolutely. And and it goes back to businesses. I mean, if you look at business owners, they're one of the larger con- contributors to nonprofit organizations. Businesses have the same problem. I can't tell a business one way to have 30% revenue growth, but I can probably tell them 30 ways to try to get 5%. And that's and, more sustainable too, right? Absolutely. Because you lose that. I've, I've had many clients who've had like this large, big client who that was their cash cow and they didn't see it as important to go get all this foundation work in there. So there's money coming in to support that right. in case that guy went away. And sure enough, that guy went away and the thing just disintegrated. It's like somebody took the cornerstone out of their building. And, and one of the values in a small group is, is not one person has to come up with all the ideas. We all talk about our businesses, the struggles that we're having. And talk and go build from there. Help each other build from there. And in this program, this is a this is a group session, right? So you absolutely, have, how be many six, are you? Six to ten people with us. Uh, all other business owners. I'm a business owner too. Okay. And we're going to talk about many ways to uh, to generate, you know, incoming revenue, better traffic at your store, better clientele coming in, more clientele coming in. It's, we, there's a number of ways to do it. Referral system. We're all members of, of BNI in this room here, mm-hmm. and that's uh, one of the more popular ways. Public re- relations, doing podcasts. You know, there's old things. We know a little about that. There's still newspaper advertising. There really is. Out there. So <laughs> the old and the new, you got to have some of each. You know, J.C. Penney always said, I would, I love spending money on advertising. I wish I could only figure out what third of it actually works. You know, what's interesting about that is J.C. Penney is one of the last surviving big department stores that has not really changed. They've only been bought out a couple of times, but they're still holding still. So it's interesting to use that analogy of, of that quote, because I think that is where a program like yours really comes into play because if you have a number of people in a room and, and I'm assuming this is not limited to a particular uh, sector, right? It's not, that is correct. It can be any kind of business. We'd we'd like a variety of businesses and we're, we're not going to have anybody in there with their own competitors. Do you think Um, people that, that come into an organization or, or a a thing like this, a a lot of times will think that, uh, how do I want to say this? I want to word this just right. So if somebody's in retail, for example, and they have a store, and they sell tchotchkes. And they think there's only this way, and I'm doing like a tunnel vision thing with my hands, this this one way of doing it right because they've been told that. Is it hard to get them to look at it like, say, the way a communications company operates and there might be ideas in there that work for them as well? Or just pulling things out of the air there? Well, necessity is the mother of invention and... and, uh, and uh that certainly applies in this area as well. The more desperate you are, the more likely you are to take outside ideas and try to apply them to your own business. We want to try to get people before they're too desperate, though, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. We're going to keep talking about the uh, Cash Up program with Dave Murray here in just a minute. Three Two One Profits, the podcast, is a media production of GLD Enterprises Communications Limited, a full-service public relations and creative services agency. From nationally circulated media content to informational videos and podcast productions, the award-winning team at GLD Enterprises Communications can customize a promotional plan to help your organization increase awareness and drive revenue. Call now for a free consultation, 937-902-4857, or visit gldcommunications.com. GLD Enterprises Communications Limited, because your message matters. 
Okay, we're back and we're talking with Dave still here about uh, his cash up uh, small group coaching program. So we were before the break, we were talking about how any industry can be involved in this, but you made an interesting point. You're only going to have one from each type of business in there. That's right. Right. So we're back to our BNI logic again. If we're lock out the competition, sign up for your program now so you can be the only retail shop in there. That's right. Uh, and what's the purpose behind there? There's got to be a good reason for it. So tell us what that is. Well, the, really, the sole purpose, Jerry, is to encourage openness among the group. I mean, if nobody is going to, you don't say, feel like you're giving away your secret. That's right. Ah, they're okay. less. They're less guarded if there's not if they know that they're not feeding their their competitors. And, I'm and, not I, anything I give away. If somebody takes it, good luck to them. And, and, <laughs> well, in the original J.C. Penny, he had some interesting concepts too. But the the reason I like him, you know, is J.C. Penny. His first name was James. You know what his middle name was? Hmm. Cash. How interesting. And he kept it. He kept a lot it. of it. Uh, so with a program like this, the, the next step we were talking about that kind of goes into, and there's a lot to this. We can't possibly get through all this in the next 15 minutes, but we're just going to kind of go into the next thing from, from building that revenue to understanding your expenses is, and I'm thinking for me, expenses are strategic. I'm very careful about what we spend our money on in our business. And part of that is being, and Julie's sitting across from me shaking her head because she knows um, it, it's very important for me to know where the money is going because sometimes there's very little of it because when you're in a business of your own, you don't have that regular paycheck. You've got this month is good. Next month's not so good. You know, if you're, if you're working on a sole proprietorship, you're taking what you can for yourself, but the rest has got to stay with that business. Tell me about that moving from a sort of default, we have to spend this to we're going to pay attention to what we're buying over here. Or is, what do you call that? How do you deal with that? Well, I think you mentioned strategic decisions about it and uh, also taking away the sort of the idea of it being a default. We call it intentional. Okay. You need to intend to spend the money. And a simple example. And, and it's got a good purpose behind it. That's right. Okay, go ahead. And the cliche of it takes money to make money the other side of that is you got to take the money and spend it in the right place to make money and again i'm dating myself but when i started this firm yellow pages were still hot Mm -hmm. and i had to decide which ones to do what advertising in and so forth and i equated it to the number of clients okay if i spend the money here it better bring me 10 clients or i'm not doing it again right and, and they can't guarantee you that. The guys selling you that cannot. No, but I can. I, I still, to this day, you know, 20 years later, I track every client, how they came in the door. And especially in our business, it's a long-term sales cycle. And usually they have to hear about us from a number of different places, be referred by someone they like and respect. So it's, it's not just, uh, hey, who's selling the cheapest gumball? Right. Right. And that becomes a big issue, especially if you're a high dollar type of business, like a financial planner, accountant, whatever. You're giving people money to, in some cases, keep you out of jail. Sure. I mean, that's kind of how that works. I'm, I'm putting like the cards on the table with that, but we don't really know exactly how that ends up. Uh, so we're moving from that to you're going into an area of um, getting getting your revenue to come in more quickly. Is that part of the next step of that? Sure. How does and, that work? And uh, th- and this is one of the things that makes me successful in small group programs is I'm willing to share the mistakes that I've made because I'm a business owner too and I feel it helps other people. And in the beginning, and this was rampant in the industry, we've done a lot of things that were, were atypical at the time of this. And one of the things were 
when people got a tax return done, they got a bill at the end of the month. Accountants were notorious for doing monthly billing, and about the 10th or 15th of the month of June, you'd get a you'd get uh, a bill for the work that they did for you maybe in early May. And we were the first ones that did payment on delivery and also one of the first local firms to take credit cards. So the first thing we always said is let's make it easy for people to pay. A lot of accounts are, oh, I got to pay 2%, 2.5% to MasterCard or whatever. But you got paid right away. But you get paid 97.5% that day. A lot faster. Right. And you didn't have to keep sending bills and calling people. And we went to and we went to credit that. card processing very early for those reasons. And there were a lot of inexpensive ways to do it. I think the first ones went through my bank, and that was just, wow, that was expensive. But right. we're talking about 1998, 99. Now there's a dozen ways to do it that don't take that much, and you're speeding up that process. But it, isn't it, is that also part of converting, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. You can tell me if this is part of this or not, but... One of the things we try to do with clients is try to help them understand what the customer is thinking and stop worrying about how you think about it. You got to, you know, if I'm selling a widget and it doesn't do what the customer wants it to do, regardless of what I think it does, the customer's not going to buy it. That's right. So is that part of that thinking as well as helping them understand by offering other options like for payment or for communication, whatever that is, are you giving the customer something better and a more a robust solution for them to, to, to work with you easier. Sometimes you're just thinking about the velocity of transactions, Jerry. Like here's an example of uh, uh, I, I like to play guitar on the weekends. And so if you're a music store, you can sell somebody a guitar maybe once every five years, but you can sell a, sell that person a whole lot of strings in the meantime. And even though it's smaller dollars, it's probably a higher gross margin. So just by increasing how the product mix by changing the mixture of a product mix or a service mix you can increase the velocity of cash flow by it's a more frequent uh, service that you can offer and but by in order to do that though you have to stay top of mind with those people right? absolutely so now you're back to my end of the woods which is the marketing side which is stay ahead of it so they know you're still out there so when they do need guitar strings they're not just going to walk into the first place they see or order them off amazon they're going to come to you because they're going to want the expertise that goes with that right? absolutely Okay. Um, so moving from that part, you've got, you're, you're speeding up all this stuff. You're getting payment to come in more quickly. Uh, I, I like the part you have on here. It, it talks about frequency, paying yourself more and more often. I would love to know what that means and how I can do that. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I originally adapted a savings strategy for that, like saving money. When I started my career, we had, I mentioned great benefits. We had a great 401k plan. They matched up to 6%, um, and then they went to 8% from there, and that's really unheard of now. And there were still people, uh, other accountants in my department, they would not put money in there. And I said, how can you afford not to? It's a 100% rate of return. And then once that was, and so I encouraged them, okay, put in 1% now. 2% 2% in two months, 3% in four months, and eventually you'll get to do the max, and you'll have learned to, you'll either have grown into that with salary increases, or you've learned to live on a little less income. And then we started applying that to savings, and savings is the same way. Pay yourself a little more frequently, and eventually you'll be able to self pay yourself more, more frequently. You know, if you're not, you're not going to miss $10 a month. I'm sure everybody's done this mental exercise in school. 
if I give you a penny today, would you double it? Double every it day? every day, and in a See, month you're a millionaire. That's right. That's right. So you can't do that in a month, but you can certainly do that in, in many months. But you got to start. Are we still back to the same thing we spoke a little while ago about lifestyle changes? And, well, and, and this is a procedural kind of you have to get in the habit of doing these kinds of things, right? That's that right. Although, and, and that's that's why we focus on what we call a spending plan. Okay, it's not really a budget. Because a budget feels constrained to everybody. It does, yeah. They don't like that word they, at all. They're already, they're already spending money. How do I budget money I don't have? That's right. <laughs> so, so if you just have a plan, and that's where you get into intentional decisions. And okay. We, we all do that in our personal life. We should do that in our, in our professional lives as well. I understand that there should be a payoff in, in, in our personal lives, you know. Uh, a trip to Disney World is expensive, but it creates a lot of memories that that our children will remember for the rest of their lives and so forth. So you got to look at the, what the true payoff is on an expense, and if it's worthless, then don't spend the money. Do you find people resist that particular part of it? Because I know you you counsel your clients right to help them understand things like this, and if they need support help, is that. the right word. We don't make decisions on their behalf. We right. help them make the decisions. They have they to want do it. To. And, and you can give them advice, but in the end, I mean, you have advisors right in your name. So if you're, if they're not going to take your advice, that's not helpful. That's right. So they got to make the plans themselves. So then the, finally, the, the last end of this, you're talking about a, a mastermind brainstorm where you're defining the next steps to moving forward from this piece. So they've been with you for six weeks of this program and you're all in this workshop and you're talking about these things. What do you see or what would you like to see happen with those folks after they leave your program? What happens next? Well, I designed this program to be a quick turnaround. I mean, the whole idea is cash up now, mm -hmm. meaning we, we need to start making more money now and then revisit some long-term goals and revisit the strategies that we've all learned during the, the small group coaching program over the six or seven weeks. And talk about what we need to do to ensure we've been successful in the first step. Now, how are we going to continue to be successful in there? And that's progress towards retirement, progress towards family, helping your family achieve the American dream, progress toward other goals along the way. So in kind of we're going to be tying this up here and, and getting some information going on um, about how we can get folks involved with this. So tell us a little bit about when the first one, and now you're going to keep, keep going with these later. This isn't going to be the only one, right? So That's right. tell us when this starts and how people can get a hold of you to, to do that. And we'll be putting all this on the website as well. So everybody has that information. It starts June 17th. It's a 90 minute zoom webinar, video webinar each Wednesday at 1030 uh, for six weeks. We're taking a week off. So it's actually a seven week commitment. There'll be, I don't want to call it homework, but there'll be some work that'll have to be done along the way to help us get to, help us, help each business get to their next step. Well, if you're paying attention, you're going to do homework anyway, right? That's right. Because you're going to have to make some changes if you want this stuff to work. So um, give us a, just kind of, an, again, an overview of what are the best ways to reach you? What is your website? All that other information. Throw that out there now so we can add it to, to the other information. Sure. Our website is Murray dash cpa.com and that's m-u-r-r-a-y that's right and the dash is a hyphen murray hyphen cpa.com is the information for the uh, workshop on that website 
It will be by the time they hear this. Okay. <laughs> so go look. It'll be there. Um, and we will poke him to make sure that he gets it out there for you. Uh, let's see. We're looking at just a couple of things to wrap up. What do you think is the, uh, what do you think some of the businesses right now? We're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, some say too soon. Some say not soon enough. It's a mixture. Obviously, it goes very opposite ends of the spectrum there. What do you think people are facing right now, small businesses especially? And and honestly, I, I just did a thing on this recently. I really hate the word small business because I think business is business, no matter how big or small it is. I am a CEO just like Steve Jobs was. It's just the scale that's different. You know, it's just the, how what you're dealing with. But the problems face us all, no matter how big your business is. What do you think most small businesses in that, and using that vernacular, are really facing now coming out of the pandemic? What is the thing that you think is really hitting people hard? Well, Jerry, I, I like your uh, confusion or your, your uh, language about small businesses. I always tell our team, a small business isn't small to the person that owns it. No, it's not. That's it's right. gigantic. They, and and, <laughs> and they, there's probably more headaches because they don't have a big team to help them solve them. But really, I think there's a, a lot of confusion out there about how they're going to have to deal with their customers or clients because there's some confusion out there in the, in the general public. And a lot of people are very hopeful about being able to get back out without masks and interact with people. There's also an awful lot of people out there that are irritated about the whole history of the thing. Mm-hmm. We've been cooped up and business has been really artificially depressed by artificially i mean none of us saw this coming right and how would you plan for something like that's right that's not a disaster recovery thing that is a a whole world changing event so business owners and and people are still dealing with their families whether they're customers or employees so you have to be very i'm telling people be patient with your clients and most important be patient with your staff because how you treat them is how they're going to treat your customers very good do you have any final words for anybody? We're about to wrap up for the hour. So anything you'd like to let anybody know, something you don't get to put on the marketing material? or <laughs> Well, I never put this on the marketing material, but I always <laughs> say that there are three types of accountants in the world, those who can count and those who cannot. There you go. And you guys can work on that a little while. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. We appreciate your your uh, taking time with us and all this information. We're going to have everything up on the website for you. Uh, that's all going to point back to your stuff, but we're going to list everything. So if you're you're just joining us, you missed the show. Sorry. You're going to have to go back and listen to it again. Um, this is uh, 321 Profits, the podcast. My name is Jerry Deere. Our producer today is Julie Barth. We're here with Dave Murray from Dave C., David C. Murray and Company Incorporated Certified Public Accountants and Advisors. And what are you? Julie's just ringing me about something. What are you pointing at? I'm not done yet. I'm not to that part. So we're in Troy, Ohio today, recording live at Dave's office. Is that better? So uh, if you have other information, please join us at 321profitspodcast.com or go to gldcommunications.com. All the information is there. You can listen to it live and on your favorite streaming service, no matter what that is, because Julie does a great job of putting it out there everywhere, right? Don't you? And we're wrapping it up today. Thank you again, Dave. Thank you, Jerry. And thanks, Julie. I enjoyed it. Very good. And we'll see you all next time on 321 Profits, the podcast. You've been listening to 321 Profits, a media production of GLD Enterprises Communications Limited. Our show is produced and engineered by Julie Barth and directed by Jerry Deere. 
The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of GLD Enterprises Communications Limited, its staff or management, or of our advertisers. This program is copyright 2021. GLD Enterprises Communications Limited, all rights reserved. For more information or to learn about sponsorship opportunities, visit gldcommunications.com.